Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. I'm asked a lot of questions around the subject of finance, particularly for the actual purchase of commercial properties, as opposed to the financing and the redevelopment aspect, although sometimes these are wrapped up in one offer. This week, we're really lucky to have Kim McGinley from Vibe Finance join us to discuss all things about commercial finance. We're going to discuss where the market is and whether you can actually get your hands on any funding right now. So, Kim, welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Brilliant to have you on the show. Thanks. I hope you're going to help clear up some of the myths that are floating around about finance. But before we lift the cover on the funding market right now, let's get some context and start by asking you to talk us through how you've come to this point in your career and what your company actually does. Yeah, Okay. so... um... Prior to starting Vibe, now I started Vibe in 2018, um, and where it was born from, so I'd spent the previous 12 years or so working for um, specialist lenders as a lending manager. So I would look after a wide-ranging broker panel covering the whole of the UK, um, and some of them are still the top players at the moment in the broking world. So I'd oversee cases from initial submission to completion. I'd have my own mandate to underwrite them. And I'd also appeal decisions with kind of with underwriters. So I was more of an extension of a broker, um, but working for the lender, basically. So it gave me the best oversight um, and the knowledge as to how lenders, you know, want cases to be presented in the best way possible for a seamless kind of transaction. Um, I reached a point, essentially, um, I was working at Hampshire Trust Bank in London and I just reached a point in my life where I wanted to start something for myself. Um, I knew that I could offer clients added benefit with my experience. And it was also to get more of a, a balance between my, you know, looking after my children and being there when they needed me um, and working around that. So hence, yeah, Vibe Finance was born. Um, this was at the end of 2017. I then worked towards getting my full CMAP qualification whilst setting up Vibe. And the day I left Hampshire Trust Bank, I was directly authorised by the FCA. So pretty much the week after I left, it was straight into Vibe Finance. Um, home office, just myself. Um, it's been an absolute learning curve, um, full of highs and lows. Um, but I think for anyone starting any kind of business will understand the roller coaster of emotions that goes with it. But yeah, here we are today, two and a half years later, um, through Brexit, through COVID. Um, and yeah, we're still kind of looking positively towards the future. There's a team of us at the moment, we've got our own business premises. And yeah, this is where we are now. Wow, what a turnaround. That's pretty good in that time. That's very good. How many are in your team, Kim? So there's five of us at the moment. Um, We do actually have people waiting to come on board when the time is hopefully right. But yeah, for the time being, there's three advisors, case manager and sales support. 
So it's a small wow. team at the moment, but hopefully going to grow next year. We'll see. Good, good. I didn't realise you had, I mean, the grounding you've got there in those previous, was it 12 years, did you say, before yeah. you set up Vibe? Yeah. Wow. That's that's really great. You're going to have lots of experience there that's going to help. And how many kids do you have? Do you mind me asking? I've got two, boy and girl. Brilliant. What's their ages? 12 years old, so he's quite self-sufficient now. And yes. my daughter, Emmy, she's six. So, oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, well, I think we've got one, one at... One at 13, one at 11. So right. just either side of your 12-year-old, yeah. yeah. The independence thing is definitely something that I'm looking forward to <laughs> more and more. <laughs> definitely, definitely. How have you found working at home with the kids around? Um, I think throughout the first lockdown, I mean, I was lucky enough to have my husband there who kind of took hold of, you know, sorting the kids out and homeschooling them because I was very much still working, probably more so then, um, or as I am now. So, um, but no, it was fine. I think like anybody else, it was a juggle, right? Just trying to yeah. manage the school, homeschooling, keeping the kids kind of their life as normal as possible, even though it was anything but normal um, and trying to manage our own mental health and the work side of things. So it, it was a real strange time. <laughs> yeah, and still is, still is. Still is yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get stuck in. Um, most of our audience has some experience in residential um, and they're either just getting started, they're looking for their first commercial project, so they've got a lot of questions about finance, yeah. or they're going for their next project and they maybe um, started the first one off just by uh, perhaps selling some residential or whatever and maybe buying an unencumbered property. Mm-hmm. But what I want to really get into this week is um, how the finance market is right now and who people should be talking to. So fi- finance is definitely a very popular topic. I'm asked about it quite a lot and yeah. what's happening in the market. So just as a broad brush, what, what is the state of the current lending market for commercial right now? Are people still getting loans or should people be waiting? What, what's the current situation? Okay, so people are absolutely still getting loans. And I think it's a really important message to get across. Well, it might be a little bit harder to get them, as in there's a few more hoops to jump through, basically. They are asking questions. They want to know that people are in a stable position now, and especially what happened going through COVID. Um, We've got, again, it comes down to individual lenders. Now, we're we're a brokerage that has a very, very widespread of lenders. and it is very much each lender is it, swings and roundabouts. One, the criteria is it can be ever changing. Rates are being pulled and then put back in with new rates being kind of uh, brought back in. But essentially, the criteria is being relaxed. So I think in the first lockdown, some lenders said absolutely no to HMOs, commercial units, and it was very much vanilla buy to lets. Um, this is just for the majority. There were other cases that went through, but now we're seeing more and more lenders come back into the student HMO market. We've got the likes of Interbay that this week came back with their commercial product range. So if anything, there's more and more positive things that are happening um, in this second lockdown or coming out of this second wave. So I feel very positive towards the, the future of the lending process. Um, you've got a lot of lenders that are securing large funds um, behind them, and they are very much out there to lend. So if anything from today, the message would be, yes, they are lending, um, but it's just to be more prepared, I think, for any client. Brilliant. That's so refreshing to hear. And we'll talk about perhaps some ways that our listeners can make your job easier and be more prepared. We'll maybe yeah. catch up with that later on. But it, the market you're saying is becoming um, a bit wider. 
the type of products that are coming out are getting more numerous. Mm-hmm. What sort of lenders are in this market? Are we still are we still seeing high street lenders in the market, or is it some um, different type of lenders? High street lenders have certainly got their place. Um, Their appetite, especially when it comes down to commercial, is more on the owner-occupied and the trading business side. Anything investment-wise, they tend to shy away from, um, especially when we've still got clients that are looking for the higher loan-to-values. So you're 70 75%, and even in some instances, 80%. So that's when we start looking towards the more mainstream lenders, we call them. So the likes of Precise, Lend Invest, Fleet, Lambay, um, and other others that are very much in that market when it starts falling out out of bed with those types of lenders that's when we start looking at the more challenger banks the specialist banks and that would be the likes of interbay shawbrook hampshire trust bank um, and others so um it really really does come down to a person's individual circumstances and then we start to look at the asset as well there's so many factors to take into account um when we're assessing someone's requirements yeah which is really, really important, which comes back to, I think, having, I mean, I mention a power team quite a lot within my own social media channels. And it's something that I really want to hit home with, because it's so important to have a team behind you as an investor that you can fully trust to get the job done and get it job, the job done well. Um, So yeah, I mean, having a broker on board that can be part of that team is really, really essential. Excellent. Okay, so just let's talk a little bit about some of those things that you maybe those those lenders are looking for. And, and yeah. for me, when I've been borrowing in the past, the, th- the three key things that I keep getting asked for are obviously what loan to value we're talking about, mm-hmm. what's your experience, because there is a there is an element of the the lending there based on how well you've done in the past, mm-hmm. and also on serviceability. Yeah. How, you know, if this project doesn't work, can you still service the debt? And these are the sort of questions I've been asked by more traditional lenders. Is there anything else? Would you agree with that? Or is there other things you would add in? Essentially, what they're looking for when it comes to investment properties, firstly, it's the asset. So can is the serviceability there? So you've got your debt service cover calculations that a broker or, or whoever can work out in the background. Then it comes down to the individual. So what is their affordability like? If something falls down with the asset, how are they going to cover the monthly mortgage payments? And then it's more of an affordability um, assessment. So there's two aspects to consider. Um, But yeah, those are the kind of questions that lenders are asking themselves at the minute, especially after the times that we've been through. So for people that may have taken a payment holiday, they understand fully that for a lot of people, it was more of a safeguarding as opposed to they had to have the payment holiday. It was the unknown of what was going to happen. So Thankfully, we do have lenders that are understanding of that. As long as the monthly payments have been resumed um, and they can demonstrate that they're not in any kind of financial trouble, then um, lenders are being a lot more lenient with, with, um, with that type of thing. Okay, great. So let's just narrow that down a little bit. Let's talk about LTV then, loan to value. What, what can people expect right now if they're buying something with income? And if they're maybe buying something with partial income, because obviously the, the three things you can do, you can buy a property that's completely vacant. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you're going to have a plan for what you're going to do with it, but it could be completely vacant. There could be something with partial income or there could be something that's fully let and you're just buying on a yield rate. How, how is loan to value affected by those different things? 
It's not necessarily the loan to value, actually. So the loan to value will be fine, providing that the rental income confirmed by the valuer, so the market rent, covers you know, what the lenders require. And they've all got different types of debt service cover ratios. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it covers that, then it should be fine. Um, if you're buying somewhere that is non-income generating, then it's to expect that if a valuer was to come back and say that it's going to take, let's say, three to four months to, to get that occupied, that you will need to demonstrate cash reserves or some kind of affordability. So yes, whilst it's vacant at the moment, how are you going to service the loan? And that's what it comes down to from that point of view. But I wouldn't say necessarily from a loan to value perspective, that that is actually affected as to whether the property is let or not. That's brilliant. Okay, excellent. And let's move on to that other point about what what can our listeners do to make your job easier? So we've spoken there about some of the aspects about serviceability and a plan and a strategy for the building, but there must be quite a lot of things that people need to come to you with. And, and what are those sort of things that are going to make it easier and slicker for you? I mean, without a doubt, it's going to be non-piecemeal documents. So if a broker comes back to you with a list of requirements, I mean, these are these are standard documents that anyone can get together initially. And that would be photographic ID, um, proof of address. So normally a posted utility bill uh, dated within the, the most recent three months, pay slips and proof of income. And it's important to know that we don't technically have SA302s anymore. You've now got your tax year overview and your tax year calculation. They are two separate documents. And if you do have, you know, two years worth of those ready, then you can't go wrong. And again, bank statements. So three months bank statements, either for personal and business, if it's a limited company transaction. With those types of documents, if you have them ready at the outset, it can save so much time in relation to your application as opposed to drip feeding documents in over maybe a two-week period. So it can elongate the process if that is what clients are doing. And we are seeing that. We've got some clients that are so good. They're on the ball. They get things to us very quickly and promptly. But then we do have others, of course, um, for various reasons that do drip feed documents in. But those are the cases that we're seeing delays on, if I'm honest with you. So that would be my one bit of advice. Okay, so the basics, yeah. Proof of address, photographic ID, proof of income, two to three years, ideally. Bank statements. And the actual project itself, how much in-depth information do they need to give to you about that? I'd say the actual project itself is going to be just a brief description of what the property is, especially if we're talking about a term loan. So what is the rental income? Just the basic details of what you would expect to provide at the outset, um, because we can get a very good idea of what indicative terms we can get for them. It's also like, you know, honesty is best policy. If there's any adverse in the background, be prepared to provide as much of a detailed explanation as you can. If there has been payment holidays, just again, an explanation of when you took them, when they reverted back to normal payments, um, that will go really far as well. Brilliant. That all doesn't seem too onerous to be able to get that info. And, and of course, once you've got that, you can go out to the market and see whether this, this deal is going to work. Albeit, yeah. I, I appreciate you guys are probably going to know fairly quickly yourselves anyway. Yeah. Um, but that's going to give you enough for somebody to come back and um, or for you to go back to the customer and say, look, yeah, this is a go right. We need more information for these particular lenders. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, we don't want people paying fees. We try and head off any kind of potential issues at the outset. So what would have been a vanilla case pre-COVID is no longer the case, unfortunately. So we are having to kind of 
submit a presentation of a case to various lenders at the outset to try and get the most competitive terms and the responses back in as quickly as we can to compare them all. So the process has changed this year. And that's probably the reason why we are asking a few more questions up front, because the last thing that we would want is for clients to potentially waste any money themselves. So yeah, again, we try and head all of that off at at the outset. Okay, so have you got any examples of anything you've done recently? Just to give some people maybe a better idea. Maybe it's a shop or an office, maybe not too complex, but anything you can maybe just give us. I appreciate this confidentiality, but is there anything you could maybe share on a particular project? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing a lot of people buying buy-to-lets and converting to or residential properties and converting to HMOs. That Mm -hmm. is still very much a very popular kind of project. Um, And that would acquire short term finance. So we are looking at many, many short term finance deals at the moment, sometimes when they're buying at auction. So speed is kind of a necessity. Um, And we're then looking at the exit options up front as well to switch them onto the term products. We're seeing a few commercial owner occupied, so trading business deals at the moment. So for some businesses, which is fantastic, COVID has actually been beneficial to them they've been they've never been busier and they're looking to expand in their premises so we've got people that are buying vacant commercial units at the moment and to occupy them and we're also seeing exits of development projects so there's a recent you know one of my clients built last year or just coming to completion now um a block of nine new build flats that we are now exiting off for for them so again it is a very much a combination of a lot of things at the moment um, and it's busy, which is great. And are you seeing any changes in the different sectors? So retail, office space, industrial, are, are you seeing any trends there with each of those sectors? The only trend that we're seeing, so under the most recent the permitted development rules, so we're seeing quite a lot of people buying vacant commercial units and converting to residential under PD. Yep. But other than that, as we all know, the you know the high street, the state that that's in at the moment, um, commercial properties are a tough one to get through actually with lenders at the moment especially on the investment side when they're buying somewhere that's vacant mm-hmm. um the 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 range of lenders out there is not wide enough so there's not enough lenders in that commercial investment space at the moment so that is a tough one to kind of get through okay so what areas are working are you because certainly i know that industrial is holding up very well Mm. Is there industrial or office space that perhaps has got an income coming in that is a little bit more easy to borrow on? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter about the actual the, the unit or the asset itself. If it's income generating and it has been throughout the pandemic, then the chances are quite high that there is a lender that will lend. And we're talking up to 75% loan to value in some instances um, on an interest only basis. So it's more the vacant units. And then it comes down to when when the asset's quite weak, which sometimes with commercial assets they are. So we do have people that diversify from buy to let into commercial. And that's when the lenders are kind of more interested in the client and what their profile looks like. Yeah. And it really is trying to find those strengths. So is it more of a high net worth individual? What is their personal income like? So they start to look at them as a fallback that if the, the asset 
isn't income generating, what can the client provide as a guarantee that that this loan isn't going to default? So again, it's more of like, I'd like to say detective work. So when we're getting a case up front, it's really probing and asking them questions that we know if we can go to a lender and say, yes, while the asset may be a little bit weak, we've got a very, very good, strong client here that can mitigate some of those the weaknesses. It is a tough one at the moment. But again, this is why we're asking more questions up front. Good. OK, so with somebody coming new into the market, looking at commercial, would it be significantly more possible to get a loan if your product that you're buying has actually got an income or a partial income on it? Yes. Is that basically what we're getting down to? Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's good to know. So vacant ones, you may need to go and find some alternative finance unless you've got a new lease in place or something to get the income in straight away. Yes, yeah. All right, so buying an empty shed with no income in the middle of nowhere with no prospective tenants is not a great idea right now. Not the best idea. It's not to say there won't be a lender, but you'll be paying through the roof on a rate for it, so... Okay. All right. Well, let, let's talk about rates. So thanks for that. Rates, I appreciate how long is a piece of string and it does depend <laughs> on all the different factors that we've been talking about. If we're looking at the term loan rather than just upfront, perhaps finance for buying a property and doing the redevelopment, but we're looking mm-hmm. at a commercial property that's leased out, what are the rates we're looking at in the market just now? So for owner-occupied, this is how much it can vary. I mean, we've had one this week that's a trading business purchase and um, the rate is with a high street lender at 2.8 plus bank base rate. We then have an investment property where the client is looking for 75% loan to value, let's say, and the rate will be between 55 to 6.5%. That was just in one scenario, but those are the kind of rates that you're talking about as in comparison to trading business and then investment. Mm -hmm. So it's quite varied. And did I catch you right earlier on that that is potentially an interest only rather than capital and interest repayment? Yeah, the first option with the high streets, the high street aren't really interested in interest only. So that would be capital repayment, which is why the rate is competitive as well. Um, And that was a 65% loan to value deal. Whereas you start looking at 75% on an interest only basis, a commercial investment property, I'd say to expect a rate of anywhere between five and a half to six and a half percent. Interesting. Okay. And actually, when you're working out cash flow, which is why we're trying to buy commercial property, those rates actually work out about the same. One, you're paying off capital, which obviously is an important thing to do. Yeah. Um, the alternative, you're not, but the actual cash flow, the actual cost to you on a month to month basis is fairly comparable. Mm-hmm. The the, the issue, of course, is what's your long-term strategy. If you're just buying the property to try and earn an income and, and leave it with a 20-year lease and you're not going to add any value, then you really want to be getting the first one. Mm-hmm. But but if you're looking at redeveloping or, or adding value to that site, maybe you've got something you can build, something you can add to it, then the second option is then comes into play, doesn't it? Because it's actually a short-term thing to try and get your um, project done and realize the extra value do you find that if you're financing a a purchase and a redevelopment Mm -hmm. that potentially is with one lender for let's say a year or 18 months whatever the project takes but if you want to retain the asset and then it's more it's income producing the development's finished and you swap onto a longer term rate does Mm -hmm. that tend to be with a new finance lender or is it actually often the same company it does tend to be. When it comes to commercial, they're two kind of very different. Mm-hmm. Um, the lenders for short-term finance in the commercial space tend to be, um, you know, straightforward bridging lenders. So very much a short-term lender. 
And so the exit for commercial is typically with a more specialist lender on a term loan. So they do tend to be separate. Great. Okay. And you're involved in both aspects? We are, yes. Yeah, yeah brilliant. very much. Yeah. So somebody comes to you with a project. It's going to take me 18 months. Great. We can finance that. But let's look at the exit too at the same time. Yes. Or at least the potential. Obviously, in 18 months, things could be quite different, but the potential. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Um, something else I get asked about quite a lot is SaaS. So can we just delve into that a little bit? Uh, yeah, do you work with SaaS lending? Yes, we do. So it's not something that we come across every day. Um, they're not that common, but yes, we've absolutely got lenders and we have arranged loans on SaaS purchases or SIP purchases as well. So anything pension fund. Great. And is there any examples you can think of off the top of your head where maybe somebody has done that? It might be for their own business premises, but have you come across any that are maybe using a SaaS to purchase an investment property? Yeah, no, that's what we, exactly what we've done. So we had a client, I think it was end of last year, that purchased a commercial asset. Um, it was vacant at the time. We managed to obtain funding for them. So with pension funding, you can only borrow up to 50% of the SIP or SAS value, the pension yep. value. So, um, But yes, there are certain lenders that are absolutely fine with lending to SIPs and SASs, but it's on commercial assets, obviously. Yeah, and your role in that, is it very similar or do you... Um, have to do anything different when you're dealing with SASs? If I'm honest with you, no. We just ensure that we we make it very clear up front that they are aware that they can only borrow 50% maximum of the, the pension value. So other than that, it's a straightforward process as if it were in a limited company, an SPV or personal names. Interesting. Okay. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about about profile in terms of the repayment profiles. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when I first got started, you maybe get a 20-year mortgage or, or commercial loan, really, on a, on a commercial property. And over that piece, you would do interest and repayment, capital repayment, end of 20 years, fine, we're done. That's the end of the loan. But of course, after the financial crisis, um, the banks decided to start doing shorter lending periods up to five years. This is my experience. You may, you may disagree, but it was up to five years. But the repayment profile was the same. It might have been 20 years. But, of course, every five years you'd have to renegotiate the loan yeah. and the bank would get an extra fee and it all seemed lovely. Is that still the case? It can be. That's more typically with high street lending than anything else. So they amortise mm-hmm. it over a longer term, but they only fix the rate for, let's say, the five-year term or, or whatever the client might be looking for. Um, when it comes to other lenders, you can borrow up to 30 years capital repayment. Typically, you'd only still take a two-year, three-year, five-year fixed deal. So the chances are you're going to remortgage, obviously, when that rate comes to an end and you switch mm-hmm. the lender's variable rate. Um, and interest only, you can get, you know, again, typically up to 10 years interest only. So I'd, I'd say when it comes away from the high street, you've got more options. Um, but what you're mentioning is, is typical of a high street lender. Yeah, yeah, I, and I guess we've over the over the years we've taken in some private finance, um, but our main finance is still with high street lenders at the moment. We, mm-hmm. But I think that's really because we've been with them for so long, and they're looking at our experience and serviceability. So so far, we've not had to move away from that, apart from our last purchase where we went for private finance. But that that will be some. That will be a project that I'd like to look at the wider market. But I'm assuming that the high street banks, for for all that they are, will probably be offering the most competitive rates. 
Yeah, when it comes to commercial, like I said, I mean, for trading businesses, without a doubt, they're the most competitive. It's when it comes to investment properties, that's when they st- they tend to step away. So I had a conversation with my bank yesterday, funnily enough, and it was confirmed. Yeah, at the moment, uh, yes, we'll lend to you mm-hmm. because we know you and we've been dealing with you, but we are not seeking any new um, investors. We're not looking for any new clients for your market which was interesting. I've not had that from him before, Mm. but that was part of the conversation yesterday. So if you're not in with this particular bank anyway, then it might struggle to actually get anything just now. So you need to start looking at alternatives. Yes. Yeah. And we have seen a lot of that, actually. So um, I think you hit the nail on the head, Jerry, where you said about the relationships. So High Street are very much a relationship or they were a relationship type lender. So if the relationships aren't there, or we've even seen it where they have had relationships with clients, um, but they've just said the appetite is no longer there and they've actually asked them to refinance away. They no longer want certain types of loans on their books. So we have actually been in positions where we've been helping our clients to move away from the high street because of that reason. Yeah, so It's a difficult one. Where where do you think things are going to be in and let's let's try and go post COVID whenever that is twelve months eighteen months whatever whatever time frame we're talking about how do you see the market evolving? I mean we're going to get through this, aren't we? At some point, like you say, it's just a matter of when. Yeah, this, this um, too shall pass. Yes, this too shall pass. <laughs> thankfully, I think we're all looking forward to that day. Um, but I think that the buy-to-let investment sector and the property market is going to remain strong. I think, you know, people are still talking about this dip that's going to happen potentially after the stamp duty, Um, whether it gets extended or not. I personally think that I'd be very, very surprised if they don't end up extending it, whether they say that in January or February, closer to the time, because it's keeping the market buoyant at the moment and um, for the need for transactions to go through. But I think there'll be lenders emerging and lenders leaving the market. But I genuinely, my own feeling is that it's, it's going to remain strong. And yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I think if anyone said to me this year had gone the way it did do, I would never have believed them. I'm kind of preparing for anything at the moment. but Business, business as usual. In yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. It's funny though, you say there, you know, lenders will come, lenders will go, and, and that's been the same for, for time memorial, isn't it? It's just that's how it works. But they, they have an appetite, they maybe overextend, they pull back. Exactly. You know, and, and I think they are, because of the financial crisis, they're in a better place this time around to assess the risk, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Or at least they're in less shock. It's different <laughs> than 2008, isn't it? That was more completely a financial risk element whereas this isn't that it's 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 basically everyone no matter what the business was was forced into this lockdown yeah i i think this time around personally i think you know that last time was that there was no money that was the no, problem exactly. the credit stopped there was no money overnight this time around it's not a liquidity problem there's plenty yeah. of money around mm-hmm. i think this time around it's a, it's an income problem yeah uh, you know there is either an income on the asset or there isn't mm-hmm. and that's the bit you've got to the bit you've got to sort out, I guess. Yeah. Um, Kim, you just on your own business side, you, you I keep seeing on social media you guys winning lots of awards. Tell us a little bit about some of the successes you've had this year. Um oh gosh, it's been a bit of a whirlwind of a year. So yeah, um we won highly commended Bridging Lender of the Year for the Bridging and Commercial Awards back in June. Um, My colleague Kelly won Best Newcomer at the Specialist Finance Awards um, a couple of months ago. I won the Best um, 
commercial broker at the British Specialist Lending Awards. I always struggle to say that um, last month. And we last week won the uh, highly commended by the NACFB for uh, buy to let broker of the year. So, yeah, we're up for a few awards next week at the Mortgage Introducer Awards, the MI Awards. But we're just kind of, yeah, it's still a bit of a a shock, really, to see our, our name up there. I never thought that it would happen but to see it up there with you know some of the big guys is it's uh pretty special for me well well done it's it, oh, it's great you. to hear of all those and and you mustn't do yourself a disservice because although your business is quite young mm. um the experience you've brought from all those years before it just got to be so valuable to your customers so uh, you, you know part of it is down to the fact that you you hit the ground running straight away oh thank you yeah, we're pretty determined. <laughs> well, listen, um, I've got a couple of other questions, but before yeah. we get on to that, since we're just talking about the wards and your staff, could you just maybe give us some of the places people can follow you? Yeah, sure. So on Twitter, we are at Finance Vibe. Um, LinkedIn, it's just simply Vibe Finance. Um, Instagram and Facebook, it's at Vibe Finance. So it's quite easy to find us. Um, and I'm on Facebook, I'm Kim McGinley Vibe. So Brilliant. yeah, we post a lot. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to give a, just a couple of last quick-fire questions for yeah. you, Kim. One of them is to do with, again, a question I get asked quite a lot. If somebody gives you all the information you need, what is the typical time period for getting the offer back? Okay, so to get to formal offer stage, it is, uh, I hate say giving this as an answer, but it literally does depend on the lenders you're dealing with. For example... We had a client come to us last week. They said they'd been let down by their previous broker. They have to complete by Christmas. So we had to find a lender that's not necessarily the most competitive rate, but someone that can get the job done. So we've now gone to formal offer and that's been within 10 days, um, just short of 10 days. So it can happen really quickly. Some of the lenders are using AVM reports at the moment um, and desktop valuations. So again, it could go to formal offer very quickly. A lot of them are still doing, um, you know, physical inspections, which has been absolutely fine. Connells have been struggling a little bit and so have other valuers. And we're starting to reach typical, you know, Christmas season. Everyone wants to yeah. for Christmas. We're now seeing a bit more of a backlog. So we've had one today that the valuer can they cannot get a valuer in before the 16th of December. So, you know, it's kind of building it in with the time of year. Uh, so it does change all of the time, but um, it's it's not unheard of to get to formal offer within two weeks. More realistically, though, I'd say within three to four weeks. Wow, that 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 is good. That is good. Yeah. And I had a couple other questions there. One one around that, which was that often the surveyor, as you mentioned there, can be can be a problem in terms of timing. But obviously, it sounds like you're having some some pretty good success there. But a key thing for listeners is that when you're getting that survey. It's instructed by the lender, not by yourself. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, because if you instruct it yourself because you think, oh, I need to find out for, for sure if this offer is the right offer, mm-hmm. is that the lender will then turn around and say, oh, hold on a minute, they acted on your behalf. We're going to need a severe to go out on our behalf and you end up paying the fee twice. Exactly, yeah. I mean, the lenders are always going to need to instruct their own panel valuer. Um, They've got the PI cover through them and everything else. So ultimately, they're valuing the asset for the lender. So if a valuation is drawn up, addressed to a client, it's it's not, you know, worth anything from a lending perspective. So you will, like you say, be paying twice. 
yeah, so it's interesting. You might, as a developer or a commercial property investor, you might have to pay for some upfront costs, such as perhaps architects or interior design or something to look at the feasibility of a project. Yeah. Actually, when it comes down to survey, comes down to lawyer fees, that really should be happening after you've got an offer on your finance because you might end up spending all that money and actually you have to then spend it all again. Exactly. Yeah. And ultimately, who wants to be spending twice, you know, when it's not necessarily needed? Exactly. Our own in-house CRM system that's been built is OMS, which is one mortgage system. We've got the ability to do AVMs as well. And we're finding that invaluable. So if someone wants to second and it's not to say that it's always going to be right or the right value that the client thinks, but it does give quite a close kind of estimate as to what the value may come in at. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that's really helping us at the moment as well. What's an ABM, Kim? An automated valuation model. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> so last one here, because we were talking there about not paying twice. Yeah. What typically are fees for lenders at the moment? Fees are typically, I'd say, to expect around 2%. So they're between 1, 1.5%, 1. 2%. A lot of them are at 2%. The product fee can be added to the loans in most instances, depending on the loan to value. Um, and lenders are t- typically charging application fees as well. It's not to say all lenders are. The likes of Lend Invest don't charge an application fee and some other lenders. But um, typically, an application fee will be payable on acceptance of a decision in principle or an agreement in principle, so DIP or AIP. Um, and that will be around £130, some instances £299. So, again, it's just to factor in those small extra costs. I say small, it's still a significant sum, but... Um, yeah, those are kind of the fees that, that lenders are charging at the moment. Okay, so just in quick summary for somebody who's looking at trying to buy their first or second commercial property asset, not necessarily for residential, but commercial for letting out as commercial, two of the easier ways or perhaps the only ways to get into this market right now are using your own operating business to buy a building, which mm-hmm. You may occupy, you may not occupy all of it. You may start to let some of it out. I assume that's that's yeah. feasible. Yeah. Um, the second option is to find something with an income. Exactly. Whether it's partial or full. And of course, that could be a mix of the two things. We just The one we discussed before, owner occupancy and partial income from somebody else. But those really the two easier ways to get into this market. Is there anything else or, or is that really... Uh, pretty much the summary for somebody who's looking at getting into commercial for commercial at the moment i'd say also just you know a couple of clients are doing it this way that they are they've put offers in between exchange and completion they're very confident that they will find a tenant to occupy the premises so as long as there is a signed lease that the lenders can see prior to completion then that will help you know no end in in the mortgage application so just something else to consider that if you know you do have a tenant lined up um, and a lease can be in place because, you know, mortgage applications can take two, three months, you know, down the road. So yeah. if they do have someone, that is something that will benefit them as well. Brilliant. Right, Kim, I don't think I've got any more questions here. Uh, it's been really, really interesting to talk to you at such a pivotal moment in the market. It's great to hear there's still some lending out there. Yeah. That's that's, that's the, the loud and clear message we're hearing. So yeah. thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. If anyone wants to follow you, I'll be able to find them in the notes, everybody. Kim, thank you very much again. I really, really appreciate your time. I hope that we can uh, do this again sometime when the market's maybe post-COVID. Yes, that sounds amazing. I look forward to that time.
<laughs> Thank you to our listeners. Um, if anyone would like to leave any questions or any comments on this, please find us on the Facebook page and then click the link to the Facebook group. You'll find us on the usual W's, facebook.com forward slash commercial property investor. And you will also meet some other fellow commercial property investors. So thank you all very much and look forward to speaking to you next time. Mm-hmm.